Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Hollywood Sources. I'm Kyla McDonald. I was about to tell you when we're recording, but that would give the secret away. Welcome to the Wednesday between Christmas and New Year. I hope you've had a lovely Christmas and I hope you've got all the drinks in ready for Hogmanay. Jeff Aberdeen, what are you doing? How was your Christmas, Jeff? I think you've just given the game away again. What, what am I doing for Christmas? How was it? It, it was it was amazing. Good. It was so good. Um, uh, my first Christmas with my son. Of course. Uh, a, a wonderful event. Uh, Lucas really enjoyed it. And um, yeah, uh, I can't remember what presents I got, though. Oh, that's a shame. Well, you'll have to get back yeah. to us on that. Uh, and uh, <laughs> Andy McKeever, you're still wearing your Christmas jumper, even though well, Christmas was two days ago. Because it's... It's Christmas. You're Jeff's in a. It's a shame this podcast is not videoed routinely. Jeff's in a black jumper. Callum's in a grey jumper. I'm in a Christmas jumper beside my Christmas tree. I'm actually in the proper festive spirit. And can I also just say one thing very clearly? I've got four children, right? So I'm going to tell you that Jeff is talking rubbish. Lucas did not enjoy Christmas. Lucas didn't know which day it was. Lucas doesn't ever know which day it is. Right? Come on, Scrooge. No, no. Maybe next year. Maybe next year. This year, Lucas. Lucas had no idea whether it was, you know, he didn't know. Didn't know. Right. Can, can I say, you know, the, the festive cheer coming from Andy McKeever reminds me of the student halls at Aberdeen University uh, when I was there. And I always remember that emblazoned on all the windows uh, was Merry Bum and a Happy Nuclear War. And that's what I get the feeling of when I listen to your comments there, Andy. Do you know, my, um, my job on Christmas Day, I'm the bin man on Christmas Day now. That's basically all that happens. I bring in, before anything really happens, I bring in a white bag and the kids open their presents and they throw the paper all over the place and I just walk around the room picking up the paper and putting it in the bag and then taking yeah. it straight out to the recycling bin. Cleaning up the fun. Being yeah. a fun sponge, that's fun, your job by the sound Listen, right, listen grey jumper and black jumper, I'm the only one who's got a bit of fun about me on this podcast. Anyway, well. get on with it. 
Get on with it. Welcome to <laughs> welcome to our festive special, where most of us are in the spirit of the season, which is good. Uh, we are here just for a few minutes to say hello, really, between Christmas and New Year, and to reflect on the last sort of 10 or 11 months, really, of this podcast, and indeed the year for Scottish politics as well, because 2023 was completely mad, and 2024 is probably going to be even more mad. So on the podcast today, we're going to give you one of our, uh, fa- our favourite moments from the podcast each, and what was the standout political moment of the year. Um, I'm looking at my list. I don't think any of those are all going to be the same. So I think you've got lots of moments to uh, reflect on and we'll look ahead to what 2024 has in store as well. Um, Predictions are a stupid game to play, but we're going to play it because it's the Wednesday between Christmas and New Year, as you well know. Um, Well, we launched just as, uh, well, just after Nicola Sturgeon announced she was standing down and actually, maybe we should start with political moments of the year, Jeff, because I think you want to talk about the, the departure of Nicola Sturgeon. Yeah, I mean, that has to be uh, certainly my political moment of the year. I am announcing my intention to step down as First Minister and leader of my party. If this was just a question of my ability or my resilience to get through the latest period of pressure, I wouldn't be standing here today. But it's not. This decision comes from a deeper and longer term assessment. I know it might seem sudden, but I have been wrestling with it, albeit with oscillating levels of intensity for some weeks. Essentially, I've been trying to answer two questions. Is carrying on right for me? And more importantly, is me carrying on right for the country, for my party, and for the independence cause I have devoted my life to. Out of nowhere, uh, I think it was a Wednesday morning in February recess, uh, Nicola Sturgeon stood down from being First Minister, longest serving First Minister. Her electoral success speaks for itself, a huge figure in Scottish and indeed UK politics. And uh, yeah, I mean, that was uh, quite a moment that really has precipitated huge change in Scottish political discourse since then. So um, I met many might dis- disagree and, uh, and debate the reasons as to why she left, but she did leave and it was a huge, huge moment. We will be reviewing, I'm certain, you know, uh, after the election uh, next year, just how seminal moment that was in terms of its impact on party politics in this country. Mm. It was huge. It was, to- I mean, that is total end of an era stuff as has probably come to, come to pass, and also led to the birth of this podcast. So, you know, a seminal moment in more ways than one. Andy, what was your political moment of 2023? Well, since we can't have the same one, I mean, I think that was the biggest thing that happened, obviously, in 2023. But the, a, a linked thing, which I think is a bit more niche, perhaps, but was actually interesting, um, relates to a key Nicola Sturgeon policy, which is gender recognition legislation. And um, I thought one of the most interesting moments of the year was Alistair Jack's outmanoeuvring of the Scottish government on gender recognition. Today, I will make an order under Section 35 of the Scotland Act 1998, preventing the Gender Recognition Reform Scotland Bill from proceeding to royal assent. Mr Speaker, I have not taken this decision lightly. The Government has looked closely at the potential impact of the Bill and I have considered all relevant policy and operational implications together with the Minister for Women and Equalities. And it is our assessment that the Bill would have a serious adverse impact, among other things, on the operation of the Equality Act 2010. 
Those adverse effects include impacts on the operation of single-sex clubs, associations and schools, and protections such as equal pay. The Government shares the concerns of many members of the public and civic society groups regarding the potential impact of the Bill on women and girls. The Bill also risks creating significant complications from having two different gender recognition regimes in the UK and allowing more fraudulent or bad faith applications. If you think about just the optics and just the concept of, um, you know, a relatively posh Tory from Dumfries and Galloway, a Boris Johnson supporting Tory Secretary of State for Scotland, who manages in a pretty clever piece of manoeuvring to get himself onto the side of a very significant majority of people in this country, including lots of nationalists, including very, very, very many women, and uh, basically saying, this is wrong and I'm not going to let it happen. That was quite remarkable and something the SNP are not at all used to. Um, the SNP have done a very good job over the last 15 years of being pretty well on the side of what most people think. Uh, and that was one glaring example example of where the political radar had completely broken at that point from Nicola Sur for Nicola Sturgeon for the Scottish Government. Um, and to be outmanoeuvred like that by Alistair Jack uh, was a major coup for the Scotland office, it must be said. And I suppose time will tell whether it was the shape of things to come from the point of view of the Scottish Government. Mm. It, well, yeah, I mean, Jeff, what do you what do you make of it? Because we had like the two things are tied: Sturgeon's departure, the Alistair Jack GRR stuff, and it has come full circle in that that has now kind of been put to bed. In that the Scottish government's not going to appeal that decision. But so is that it? Is that but but they're kind of in this weird status quo kind of holding limbo with gender recognition reform as well. I'm just quite fascinated by the kind of the, the full circle nature of what both of you guys have said so far. Yeah, I mean, I thought the most important thing um, that Andy said there was uh, about the SNP traditionally being on the side of public opinion, mm. anticipating where um, debates are going to go and making sure they navigate themselves to that position. Uh, on GRR, certainly, it wasn't the case, but on a whole host of other issues as well. And I paid tribute to Nicola in my opening comments, but I think it's also fair to, to be quite critical of her as well. I think mm -hmm. she handed the mother of all hospital passes to her uh, successor, whoever that might have been at that mm -hmm. stage. Hamza wasn't uh, elected at that point. But uh, the, the, the public policy platform she handed over was nothing short of um, disastrous, yeah. uh, as has been vindicated, I suppose, in, in the uh, Scottish government kind of getting rid of all those policies, not in a way that I would have preferred to see. I'd have loved to have seen Hamza taking the credit for it, uh, those things, getting to elect her, as I've said many times, and saying, no, no, this is not how I'm going to lead. But, you know, Nicola, a very accomplished politician, huge leader, but sadly, I think it came to quite a, a very inauspicious ending, her, her mm. career. And it's, I mean, only time will tell if she can improve her reputation, which has to take a bit of a dent, actually. And it'll be interesting to see if that happens. Clearly, there's a police investigation which transcends all this as well. We'll see what happens with that. Seems like it's never-ending. Yeah. But um, the full circle of Nicola Sturgeon's year, I don't think if, if we were to go back a year and say, how's your year going to go, Nicola? She'd say, well, I'll leave office on a cold Wednesday morning uh, in February and uh, I'll be facing potential police 
charges. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my policy platform that I handed over to my successor will pretty much be in ruins. I'm not entirely sure she'd be saying that yeah. uh, at, at that time, you know? Yeah, Amazing stuff. totally get you. Totally get you. I'm going to add a political moment, which is quite an obvious one, but I think because of all it signifies, it's Fergus Ewing and this ripping up of the uh, papers in the, in, in the chamber at Holyrood, but only because of what it signals, which is an absolute stalwart of SNP politics expressing his anger in such a... Uh, a, mo- a searing moment that we can all picture as we describe it. We can all imagine Fergus Ewing and, and take our minds back to when that happened. And the way that it signaled the real difficulties within the SNP, who are the party of government, and they have been for a long time. His ripping up of the papers was like a symptom of that. But that, that division within the SNP has been a real theme that we have heard from any number of SNP politicians on this podcast over the last 10 or 11 months, where there is a lack of discipline and people speaking far more freely than they used to, which in, you know, in the grand scheme of things could be seen as a good thing, but in the SNP's context is most certainly not a good thing. I just think to see Fergus Ewing do that and express his anger in that way is actually a real uh, testament to how the year has been for the SNP. I mean, the, the, yeah. the instinct thing on that is that the, the sort of uh, urbanization of the SNP, because that was, you know, Fergus Ewing talks a lot about the, uh, yeah. the absence of rural policymaking and policy thought there. The urbanization of the SNP, the leftward turn, uh, the coalition with the Greens, uh, the tax and spend policies we saw in last week's budget, they are all the same thing. They're all part of the same Christmas parcel here. Um, and, and that is it's very instructive in other areas as well as just that particular one on HPMEs. So those are some of the political moments of the year. Um, worth mentioning that in all of those contexts, actually, so for example, we had Fergus Ewing on the podcast, which made news big time. And of course, we were starting the podcast just after Sturgeon resigned. And what else? Uh, the GRI, the gender reform, but I just feel like we're going to be talking about that in 2024. But anyway, more 2024 predictions to come. First, let's do what our podcast moments of the year were. There are lots to choose from, from our pretty young podcast. Uh, Jeff, do you want to start? What stands out for you when you think back? Lots of great moments. Honourable mentions, I think, to to Ruth Davidson. I thought she was so much fun on the uh, podcast. Uh, Really enjoyed her contribution. I thought Jack McConnell was very insightful uh, in terms of his experience and quite pragmatic, actually, in terms of what he thinks uh, a future Labour government should do ahead of the next election in terms of its uh, approach to Scotland. But I have to say, the standout moment for me for the podcast has to be Kate Forbes. We got her as an exclusive following the leadership contest. She hadn't spoken to anyone before that. And she came on and she was utterly transparent, frank with her views, very open, self-deprecating, and gave us a real insight into the kind of woman behind the politician. I really enjoyed that. And I think for the podcast, that really elevated us. We'd only been going a few short mm-hmm. weeks, obviously. People are starting to say, well, what is this Hollywood sources kind of thing? And, uh, and I just thought that moment kind of marked a bit of a, an early milestone, but a, a big platform for us to grow from. Well, I went back in last week for the first time and went back in again on Tuesday. And certainly from my perspective, I believe that the contest has been and gone. We're over the finish line and it's passed. So I'm very happy to pick up where I left it with friends and colleagues last summer. Uh, That's always going to be a two-way street. So... 
you know, it, it remains to be seen whether the hand of friendship, as it were, that I offer out is reciprocated. And inevitably, after a contest, it takes a while for the dust to settle. And, you know, there's sometimes a perception that politicians aren't human. You know, we're as sensitive as anyone else. <laughs> you know, we're, we, we, we feel personal relationships as much as anyone else. Uh, but I'll be going back in. So th th there might be an element of awkwardness and tension. We had a group meeting last week, and I think that was good for just having those first conversations with people. Obviously, I've not been able to get around everyone, but I hope that I will be able to get around everyone. And, you know, I hope that the, that any tension or awkwardness will very quickly disappear. I just wonder to what extent this contest was a test of your faith. It was a test of how strongly I'm willing to be myself when others are identifying the advantages and the disadvantages inherent in that position. And it's a great question, um, which has sort of stumped me in terms of, I did not feel it a test of my faith at all, funnily enough. I felt it a test for Scotland as to our capacity to debate and disagree well. And the test for me was whether I would quit and step out of the ring or remain. And I chose to stay. And I hope that if nothing else, I managed to change the nature of the debate in a positive way. Kate Forbes struck the exact tone that we're, that we're aiming for on the podcast, which let's be real, not every politician necessarily has, and that's fine. Um, but actually in terms of kind of offering considered constructive ideas and being willing to just engage with conversation is what we're trying to do and to open up that kind of uh, option by way of like political conversation in Scotland, which I think happens most of the time. But I just thought that Kate Forbes really set us off and running. I agree with you, Jeff. Um, so yeah, nice. That was a strong start. Uh, Andy, what stands mm. out for you from the podcast uh, this year? You know, one of the interesting things about Kate's podcast as well is that um, it, I think it's a bit of a, I suppose, indicative of where uh, politicians are in terms of what they see in public and their relationship mm. with the media and all that sort of thing, because the the very best podcasts, to be honest, are given by people who don't really have skin in the game at the particular time they actually do the podcast. So, you know, Kate, Kate was the first interview she'd done after the leadership contest, so she was pretty much able to say what she wanted. But if you then look at people like Gene Freeman, now out of politics, mm -hmm. Adam Tompkins was a really good podcast. He was yeah. really, really good. It was so frank, uh, and it was like it was sort of, uh, you know, it was, it was dripping with frustration, I think, at the state of Scottish politics, to be honest with you. And it was, you know, I think he spoke for a lot of people uh, there. It was really good. But in the same spirit, um, Andy Whiteman, was really one of my favourite podcasts of the year. I thought his podcast was excellent, not just because he's extremely articulate and interesting guy um, and a very, very thoughtful guy in lots of different policy areas, but I think something that he spoke about is one of the most quietly important things that we need to do in Scotland, which is to decentralise power. Uh, and he spoke a lot about um, decentralisation to a local level, how things work in other countries in terms of local communities running things, local authorities running things. 
devolution has been bad for local government. It's why the bill, my member's bill I introduced, was incorporating European Charter and Local Self-Government, which is an international treaty of the Council of Europe. Um, it's kind of stuck in the Supreme Court. We know now it needs to be uh, changed. But um, that's designed to give some quasi-constitutional protection to local government. It would, for example, I think, um, if it were enacted, have prevented the council tax freeze, which was a very good example of the executive telling local government what tax rates it should set. The executive has got no power to set the rate of council tax. That is a duty under law by local authorities to set the band D rate. And if uh, Theresa May or Boris Johnson or, or Keir Starmer or anyone else was to tell the Scottish government to freeze a tax, and if they didn't, the penalty would be a cut on their block grant, there would be rightful outrage. And yet that's what the council tax freeze uh, was. We don't have local government. We have regional government. You know, I live in Lochaber. Highland Council is massive. I went to Norway years and years ago for a conference, and I was sitting next to the chief executive of the local commune, and we were centralizing fire and rescue and police at the time. And I asked him in a commune of 2,500 people, how do you how do you operate a fire brigade? Because you're responsible for fire and rescue. And he looked at me as if I was a bit stupid. He said, well, we cooperate, obviously. <laughs> you know, we can't afford a fire brigade of our own. So they co cooperate all the way down to Lillehammer. And he said, a new tunnel had been built. So the commune over the mountain was in their fire brigade now because appliances could get through the tunnel now quicker than they previously could. And this is what I call the Lego brick model of democracy. You have small enough units that are genuinely local and can hold significant powers. But for the obvious, more regional, more county-level functions, you cooperate. And they have a different Lego brick configuration for fire and rescue, a different Lego brick configuration for primary education, a different configuration for primary health care, etc. But at the end of the day, the buck stops with a council, members of which you meet in your local street, and incidentally, who, as I understand, are responsible for spending about half your income tax revenue. So it's that degree of accountability that's really, really important. And I think we are completely lacking that in Scotland. And you have the situation where ministers in Edinburgh are micro, making micro decisions. Um, you know, I'm a strong advocate of land reform when we introduced the community right to buy in 2003. I said, why do ministers have to decide whether a community in Wick should have consent to acquire an old waterworks from Scottish Water? That decision should be made actually not by Highland Council, but by a reconstituted Caithness District Council. These are decisions that are perfectly capable of being made uh, locally. Um, big decisions are being made locally, and yet they're all made in St Andrew's House. And it's this, I mean, I, when, they, when the Cabinet papers from 2007 were published, I was shocked to find that they, you know, John Swinney at the time was seriously suggesting that if councils didn't agree to a council tax freeze, he would withdraw responsibility of education from them. I mean, that, you, know, you would not get away with that kind of politics in Germany. You'd be in front of the constitutional court because the rights of local government are protected under the constitution. We are so centralised in this country. Today, Shona Robinson's having to speak to local authorities about the council tax freeze. Why are we even in a position where central government can decide to freeze the only local tax that actually exists. Other countries would look at us and just be laughing at that point. I would encourage people, go back and listen to that Andy Whiteman podcast and try to imagine what things might be like if we actually made decisions closer to where people were.
and if I may just add to that, Andy, you know, in my experience, I won't name names here, I won't name and shame, but you, you come across two different types of politician uh, in many ways. There's the, the politician that just likes being elected and likes having their name up in lights and quite likes the kind of stature and perhaps gravitas that goes along with that. And then you get the politicians that actually really want to make a difference and do things differently and have ideas and want to put in place those ideas and really affect change. Andy Whiteman is certainly in the latter that uh, of those two brackets. He really does have a whole host of ideas. And I think we said at the time, I, I truly hope, if not an elected politics, that people draw upon his advice mm. going forward. I don't necessarily agree with everything he said, but he thinks about mm-hmm. what he says and, 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 and he considers it. And that we need more consideration in our politics. Yeah. yeah. I think with that in mind as well, you know, as you're listening to the podcast, as you perhaps are scrolling back during Christmas and New Year and listening back to some of these interviews, who do you want to hear from in 2024? And I don't think it's, uh, you know, out of step, out of place for me to to say that in 2024, we're planning on speaking to people who aren't just politicians as well or former politicians, because I think actually the sort of conversation we had with Andy Whiteman speaks to the fact that people have ideas, uh, whether that's as business leaders or as civic leaders or entrepreneurs or whatever it is, people have ideas for what needs to happen in Scotland. And so I think we should we should start hearing from some more of them in 2024 on Hollywood Sources as well. So if you've got suggestions, you know, this is your podcast, you can email hello at hollywoodsources.com. This podcast for me, right, has brought together my two worlds, my two favorite things, which is audio, because I'm a massive nerd and I love the radio and I love podcasts, and politics. And it, it was absolutely just took me aback that we were able to get Hamza Yusuf in front of an audience of more than 100 people to do our live recording in August. This is my podcast moment of the year for sure. Within a few months of us launching this thing, we had the actual first minister in conversation for 90 minutes, taking questions from some of you who had submitted them or who were there on the night and answering to them and and kind of being accountable in front of you. I mean, there were several moments in that. Jeff Aberdeen sitting alongside the First Minister and, you know, not holding back. <laughs> I think it's fair to say. But it was good because, you know, Amazon was up for it. And I think that, that was really important to be able to do that within a few months is something that most podcasts would be jealous of. And that's because you are listening. That's because Jeff and Andy, by the way, are utterly brilliant and are completely plugged into what is going on. Honestly, you ask them for a contact, these guys. They're better than the phone book. They know everyone, and everyone knows them. And so thank you, Jeff and Andy, for making the podcast what it is. And with that in mind, and I was going to text you about this, but I thought I'd just say here, there is, I know you don't get paid for doing this, but there is something on its way to both of you. And the flipping website wouldn't let me put a note in it. So (laughs) so a a random delivery, probably in a couple of days from now. Of course, it's the Wednesday between Christmas and New Year. But you know what I mean. In a couple of days from now, and there's no note in it. So the random package is from me. Thank you. I know Jess is a Christmas jumper, but who knows what I'm going to be getting. <laughs> You're already set in that department. Anyway, yeah. so thanks, Jeff let, and Andy. Let, 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 let's not be too all self-congratulatory here, no. but I do appreciate the comments. I'm sure Andy does as well, Callum. Uh, I want, uh, but I do. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine on the self-congratulation. I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> <laughs> but I do want to thank the both of you because you were the ones that persuaded me to do this, and uh, and I didn't think anyone would listen. And I was genuinely nervous. I was like, is anyone really going to bother about listening to us 
two idiots and perhaps third idiot. I don't want to be too... Yeah, no, definitely uh, three. Don't worry about that. I, just back very quickly to the Hums of Podcast. Do you remember mm. when we went for the live audience and I was like, I don't think we're going to get 100 folk. So I don't know if we can do that. And the thing sold out within hours. Yeah. And I was like, oh, right. Okay, so maybe the, <laughs> we can do this then. Um, I remember that being quite a moment. There we are. Yeah. I was nervous of that too. And I was nervous even though we'd sold tickets and nobody would show up on the flipping night yeah. either. And then we had, we had Ollie who was scanning people and he was texting me and saying, no, people are arriving. Don't worry. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is ridiculous. Uh, maybe we should, uh, maybe the three of us should schedule in a private scheduling call uh, at some point, maybe in two days' time, and talk about the live events we've got planned for next year. Oh, hold on, <laughs> I already got that. Right, okay, that's fine. No, I'm confused about what day it is now. <laughs> Goodness sake, McKeever, don't be doing that. It's the Wednesday between Christmas and New Year. <laughs> don't say anything, nobody will notice. 2024 then lads so it's general election year isn't it really this is this is what's going to dominate should we play the mugs game and get some sort of prediction or thought from you on what 2024 is gonna is gonna hold now i just want to say that not on this podcast because it didn't exist yet but when i was doing this on a different podcast last year i predicted nicola sturgeon would not be the snp leader by the end of the year and here we are thank you very much Spot on. Uh, so, twenty twenty four. I said we were going to stop being self congratulatory. Oh, yeah. No fair. Sorry, uh, Jeff Aberdeen. Okay, predictions. Oh, this is tough for me because yeah. of my association with and uh, the SNP. But I think they're going to have a tough, a tough election. I I do think Labour will have more seats than them. Uh, I've just got that feeling it's got a trend to it. I think the budget yesterday, we had our budget special this week. I Oh, no, we didn't have it this week. Oh, whenever last week. This week was and whatever. Why, I hate the fact you've done this. Anyway. Um, <laughs> this is working really well on, on the dates. Yeah. So, I mean, it's really going well. I, I, I really want to hope I'm wrong, and I think a lot of things can happen. But I feel that there's just that scunner factor in the population with both governments right now, mm-hmm. both at Westminster and Holyrood, and that's a, a hellishly hard thing to reverse. So I think the Labour Party will have the most seats post the next election in Scotland, and I think that Keir Starmer will be Prime Minister. That's perhaps not a big uh, gamble. Um, uh, but interestingly, I think the Tories might actually add to their number. I think maybe one one or two seats in Scotland as well. Hmm. Uh, um, and uh, it'll just be fascinating to see what, if that comes to pass, what happens thereafter. 
You mentioned the budget episode, and um, I caught this email just before we started recording this from Alex, who was listening to our budget episode. And I think I just want to read it because part of the, a huge part of this podcast is your questions, your stories, your experiences. And this builds on what we were discussing in the budget episode. So I just want to read it here. Um, he says, I wanted to chime in on tax rises. I voted SNP since the 2007 election. Under Salmond, they seem to be a sensible party that understood the role of economic growth and expanding our tax base in creating a wealthier, happier and healthier society. I'm bemused by the recent decision to add a 45p tax on earnings over 75 grand a year. For the past year, I've used a large proportion of my income to pay my parents' mortgage as they struggled with the interest rate rises. I have my own debt and I've worked hard to get income growth that puts me in a privileged position of having a salary in the region of 85k. In addition to caring for my family, all of my household bills have gone up. I'm single. I pay 100% of my bills. I've been having to make cutbacks on an already modest budget. The idea that people earning 85k are all rich is one of the most ignorant, tone-deaf positions I've heard in recent years. I'm not sure why I bothered to work 12 hours a day to see these disheartening increases. But to another point, people on these salaries tend to work in financial, legal and professional services in Edinburgh, Glasgow. Most of us have jobs and companies that have offices in Northern England. The incompetence of the SNP no longer convinces me that my taxes are value for money. And I'm a working class kid who is firmly centre left. They could have looked at alternative measures, e.g. taxing disused land, more likely to be owned by genuinely wealthy people. Uh, I'm not rich. I'm paying off debt. And in the first decade of my career, they don't get it says Alex. So I think I just wanted to read that because I think that's a, a very real life example of what we were discussing on the budget episode. And actually, Jeff, kind of speaks to what you were saying, that scunner factor of just looking at the situation and going, hang on. Yeah, that was a really interesting email. And it brought together a number of themes that we've actually fallen upon throughout our series of podcasts. If people don't think that their government's standing up for them and representing them, you're not going to last very long in government. Mm. And the SNP still has a little bit of credit in the bank from being a party of government that does stand up for the majority of people. But that credit is diminishing. And uh, I think it's going to take a hell of a lot to turn it around next year, which is why I don't think they're in for a very pleasant general election. But that sentiment from, I think it was Alex, Alex uh, yeah. I'm picking it up in a lot of places, a lot of friends, a lot of peer groups. In, in Aberdeen, in Edinburgh, in London, you know, when people are talking about Scottish politics, there seems to be a momentum behind this scunner factor. And I think it's very hard to reverse that. It's mm. going to take a huge effort from the SNP in the new year. If you go back to Rutherglen, to the by-election, I was... Which, by the way, doesn't really matter. No by <laughs> doesn't really matter. Do they, Andy? Totally. We're, month, we're months on from this, McKeever. Totally Why are we still really talking matter. about it? Um, I really thought that that was the sort of slap in the face the SNP needed because before that it was all polling there wasn't really a lot of evidence that things were really turning against them but that was actual real world evidence and I thought there were quite a lot of signs that they had started to understand mm. that things were not as they thought they were. So, the, for example, the existence of the New Deal for Business, the fact that they created something and, you know, Neil Gray did a lot of work around boardrooms trying to convince people that um, they understood the, the problems and the, the difficulties with the relationship and so on. If you then juxtapose that with what happened in the budget last week, I have to say, I was really surprised they did what they did last week. I was really, really surprised about it. I mean, obviously, they had been trailed and um, for the previous couple of weeks that they had been thinking about it. 
but it's not easy to find people who think it was a good idea <laughs> from no. any side of politics. Yeah, it's not true. easy. And, you know, true. and the the Scottish Fiscal Commission and the Fraser Allender Institute are screaming at them, saying this is not going to achieve what you think it's going to achieve. And they still do it. And I think, you know, this victory of fantasy over reality is just deeply, deeply dangerous. And, you know, Jeff and I had this bet as podcast listeners will know about who was going to win the next election and all that sort of stuff and whether Labour would win more seats in the SNP. And I, I, you know, I still think it's a close run thing. But if Labour do win more seats than the SNP, you know, fair play to Anasarwar if that happens, but it will be every bit as much to do with the SNP as it will be to do with Labour. They are giving away penalty after penalty after penalty and all Labour have to do is score them and half of them they don't even have a goalkeeper. <laughs> nice. Uh, right, Andy, what's your prediction for 2024? I, you can break down the election reasonably easily, right? There's going to be 57 seats in Scotland up for grabs. I mean, let's presume that Keir Starmer is going to be Prime Minister because I think it would take something fairly seismic for that not to happen. So that's let's tick that box for the moment. In Scotland, 57 seats up for grabs. I think you can presume that between the Tories and the Lib Dems, they will win 10 to 12 of them. Right, they're pretty much baked in. They're all SNP marginals. They're not going to lose them. So let's just say, for the sake of argument, there's 45 seats left. That's what Labour and the SNP are fighting over: is 45 seats. Now, Hamza needs wants 29 of those to achieve what he set out at conference as being the marker for independence. 29. If he gets that 29, I think you can relatively safely say you can't safely say anything, but I think you can relatively assume that he'll stay in a job. Uh, and that the coalition will probably hold together as well if he gets 29. If he gets 23, in other words, a majority of that 45, between 23 and 29, I think people might say that's been a not a great night, but, you know, let's wait and see. If Jeff's right, and if Labour actually win that election and get more seats than the SNP, that's going to be a very, very, very difficult time at that point. And um, I think predictions are hard this far out, but unless the SNP can pull their socks up, uh, and start to remember what it was that had them winning all these elections for the last 15 years, mm -hmm. they're going to have some big problems. I didn't hear a prediction, though. So what, what is your prediction? Uh, An SNP uh, no, uh, well, is that the prediction? I or? have very little, as we speak at the moment, because we often speak as though the SNP are finished and Labour are flying. That's actually not the case. <laughs> the SNP are still ahead in most polls. Uh, and Hamza Youssef is still ahead of Anas Sarwar in most polls. So I still think that as we speak, the SNP have got a better chance of returning more seats than Labour than Labour have returning more seats than the SNP. Is that your prediction? <laughs> Is, I refer you to my previous answer. <laughs> yes, I'm still. No, I'm going to stick with it. I still think the SNP will get the most seats in Scotland at the election. Okay, there we go. Prediction. My prediction is that the election will be in May, and I'm standing by that. Oh, uh, no, I uh, no, boring, I don't think it. Boring prediction. By the way. <laughs> I also don't think it will be. And if it is in me, it's well, going to no be quite disruptive does. to the things we've got planned that we're talking about in our planning call in two days' time from now, which is the Friday in between Christmas and New Year. Just after the Wednesday between Christmas and New Year. Exactly. Or something. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, right, good. I think that's it then. Uh, guys, if you would like to email your predictions that we can hold you to through 2024, you feel free. If you'd also like to mention your kind of political moments and podcast moments of 2023, then you'd be very welcome to do that as well. If you're new, if you've just found the podcast, welcome. You can still take part. And if you've been listening from the start, of course, we'd love to hear from you as well. The email address is hello at hollywoodsources.com to get in touch. Right, Christmas is done. So I'll say happy new year to you both for when it comes. There we go. We've nailed that. I think nobody would ever know. Nobody would ever know. Yes. Very, extremely well done. Belter, belter of a Christmas that I've just had. I can see only good things for Hogwarts. Well, happy one. Happy Hogwarts to you. Right, Andy and Jeff, thank you very much. Uh, We will talk to you in the new year. Thank you for listening and happy new year to you. Hold up. 